couple of things a spider can Spins a web, two or three sizes Catches criminals just like flies Look out, here comes the Spider-Man Is he good? Listen, bud He's got radioactive blood Everyone that he's known will probably die of cancer Chemo, here comes the Spider-Man In the chill of night at the scene of a crime Like a streak of light Though his costume's dark And it's night time Spider-Man, Spider-Man Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man Action is his reward When he shoots a web It's like he's shooting a load Look out Life is a great big hangout Joins in on a big game bang out Here comes the Spider-Man So hello and welcome to episode 21 of Nerdstocking. It's Blackjack. This is the Blackjack episode. We're legal to drink now. Today I'm joined, as always, with Chad. Yeah, hello. And uh, this episode we'll be talking about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Hey, Bill, we got a letter in the, this week. You don't say. Yeah, from Blue Incandescence. Nice. I'm assuming it's a woman, uh, just from... Many of the things that, that are said in the letter. Right. Plus a name kind of, I don't know, to me. I don't think we should probably shouldn't gender assign handles like that. But Yeah, somebody said Tiger Lily. You know, tigers are both boys and girls. Right. And maybe lilies are as well. But you would think that it was probably a woman. Mm. Uh, she wrote, I'm so confused by this review. On the one hand, I like nitpicking. I clicked on this to hear some good nitpicks. But what we get doesn't make sense. One, like Hippolyta doesn't send Amazons with Diana because she cares more about her people than men. Men enslave the Amazons. So sacred duty is like meh, which is very close to the word men, which is yeah, lucky funny. she didn't have a typo. Yeah. Uh, all she cares about is defending her island and who can blame her. Two, your historical accuracy nitpicks are so weird. CPR was invented in 1956. How would this time-displaced island have access to modern educational materials? The Greek Empire was two and a half thousand years ago, not five to eight thousand. Three, Steve Trevor did, did try to initiate something with Diana, but she shot him down. Men are unnecessary for pleasure, she had said. Yep. What's he supposed to do? Roll over on top of her? Why would a movie that is taking a feminist stance pair up Wonder Woman with a sleazy dude? No, just gross. She very clearly gets new armor when she gets the sword. That's point four. Yep. Five, I can nitpick your nitpicks more. But hey, anyway, I love nitpicking. I was excited for this, but up your game. Tisk, tisk, tisk. We got a tongue lashing. Whew. We got taken behind the woodshed on that one. So we want to break it down? Let's break it down. Okay. We're going to up the game now. Yep. Blue incandescence. Right. Let's see. Hippolyta doesn't send Amazons with Diana because she cares more about her people than men. The Amazons were given the duty of protecting all right. humankind. Right. A sacred duty, as they say in the film. Which includes men. Yep. And, you know, as far as not having access to current materials, yep. this all ties in with the same thing. They're on an island that their, their duty is to protect humankind. Yes. Appointed by the gods. Yep. Yet... They have no clue what's happening to humankind. Yeah, they're completely taken aback when it shows up on their doorstep. That's right. Like right. if they if they're out of time, they're yep. existing completely out of the time that we follow. Yeah. Then 
which is a stupid thing to do. It's a stupid defense mechanism to have for an island full of Amazons whose sacred duty is to protect humankind. Yeah, well, so, so we have to assume that if that if it were to work, they would have to also have some sort of way of knowing what's happening outside the, the Stephen King-esque mist right. around the island. It surrounds the island, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like if Thanos had the Infinity Gauntlet and he could live completely outside of time... Does that mean he wouldn't have any awareness of what the Avengers right. were conspiring against him? Well, it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's an argument against an existence of a god because people will say, um, like in nowadays, like we're like modern religion, you'll ask, explain what God is, right? How does he know what's going on? How do we interact with him? And people will say, you know, don't ask questions, right? God is mysterious. He, he's outside the bounds of time. He can never be measured, right? You can't ask, keep asking for proof of God's existence. You can't see him. Because he exists outside of time and space, right? He's completely unknowable. So if something is outside the realm of time and space, is, is incorporeal, uh, you know, has no interface with what's reality, then it just gets to a point where it doesn't matter anyway. Even if there was a God, he is so far removed from what we are, and he doesn't matter. Unless right. he can live, he and you know he, she, it, they, that, whatever it yep. is, what it is, yep. you know, lives outside of that time, but still has complete awareness. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. You just don't have the ability to comprehend such a thing. Yeah. So if it's that far removed, though, then it doesn't really matter. Like it can't really. Yeah. Be anything of any significance because it's so removed from us. You know, she's got a, a Hippolyta has a sacred duty to protect humankind. And it's kind of inherent in the term sacred duty that you should be serious about it. And, you know, our complaints on the during the podcast was that she obviously isn't uh, serious about it because she's coddled and sheltered all these warriors that are training nonstop to fight in the defense of humankind, but yeah, all they do is train. She doesn't have a crystal ball like the wicked witch. So she can't see what Dorothy's doing outside the mist. But why wouldn't she send out one of these warriors in plain clothes every once in a while? Yeah, You'd have spies or whatever, right? You're supposed to keep tabs, (laughs) keep tabs. Especially when you're close enough that a a couple of airplanes can accidentally (laughs) stumble across your (laughs) Island. We can't can't make this uh, wonder woman part two, but what's the second point? Okay. So on the boat, I don't think that he had to be sleazy to 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 try to connect with her. I think that she was the one being playful. Mm. She'd read these books. She said this was, you know, she said that sure men aren't necessary for pleasure. Yep. But that's not to say that she didn't want to find out. Yeah, she seemed like she was interested. Like that phrase she said when when she talks about, "Oh, I've read all nine volumes of um so and so's treatise on human biology." It seems like a almost like a come on like yeah. It seems like uh, like she's hitting on him. Like, like sure, let's do it. Let's figure out, you know, let's see how, how my research is, right? Yeah, because she, she doesn't have all these hang-ups that, that they had in, in World Journey in 1911 or whatever. Right. With Steve Trevor, like, if he had a shown, if they had made him a little bit more sleazier, sleazier is a, as a loaded term, but I'm just going to keep using that just for convenience sake. Maybe not sleazy, but... Maybe more of a macho man. Make him a little more macho. I could say it like that. It is World War One, right? Yeah. Like it is a different yeah. time. So he could be, he could be. If if they had made him macho, then at least he would have had one dimension, because <laughs> he doesn't even have that in the film as it is. Right? He's just a Boy Scout who uh, can't speak German. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> we did all that. Watch our Wonder Woman episode twenty for what we're talking about here. But uh, oh, nothing. He's a, he's a no dimensional. He's just some. Uh, Boy Scout, and if they had made him sleazy and then, 
you know, coming on to Wonder Woman and she's slapping him down, that would uh, push forward the feminist agenda that Blue Incandescence is talking about. And then he could have an arc. He could have a little arc because in the movie, he has no arc. He's a Boy Scout who sacrifices himself at the end. But uh, if he had a sleazy and then he learned to respect women, you know, just in the way they would do in the movie, then that would at least be a bit of an arc. But he doesn't even have that. So that's really what I was talking about in our thing is that he, he could use some character traits. He doesn't really Something. have any. But right. I think that in that she was being playful and like um, Blue Incandescence goes on to add in a response okay, yep. uh, that um, she uses the term consent is sexy. And sure, but totally in that scene, like I would say if I were Steve Trevor, He's got I consent. would assume there's total consent. Yeah. She, In fact, she was she was initiating everything. Yeah. So Yeah, that really does seem like that in that scene that she's the one coming on, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to play her. It's funny because I think I mentioned this in, in episode 20 was they play her for such a dope in the rest of the film where she's got this idea that she's got to go out and kill this one Ares and then he's going to end warfare on Earth. But in here, she seems really, uh, they don't play her like an innocent, like a complete innocent, even though they could have because Steve Trevor, again, he he's himself as a Boy Scout. He's not going to take advantage of her. But she's not played like an innocent waif just she really comes on like kind of uh, sultry like again that's a little bit maybe a little bit strong of a word but she curious. seems like that curious, curious is a good way curious. to say she's it she's very this was the yeah. thing cuz i think that you had said in that in the one yeah. the, the last yeah. podcast about her going into the room while they were having the meeting about the war right and she was just curious yeah. you know and she she was allowed to be taken out of the room because she was curious of all this ritualistic bullshit that you know <laughs> mankind yeah. goes through uh, she does also ask if, um, in the follow-up, yeah, uh, if we had read Joss Whedon's script for Wonder Woman in 2006. and Because yeah. in that version, Steve Trevor is a ball of sleaze on fire. <laughs> and all... <laughs> That's pretty good. Sleaze, ball of sleaze on fire, and all men should be offended by that representation. Well, hmm. let me say this about Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon likes writing female characters. Yep. He makes all the men completely flawed. Right. But the greatest flaw in the men to do with Joss Whedon is Joss Whedon because <laughs> he should just suck it. There you go. Because Joss Whedon fucks up every story in the end, especially Avengers. Said it before, I'll say it again. Fuck Joss Whedon. The armor. Okay, so the armor. We know she gets something. And I know that there was actually a scene cut where she sees the armor and then takes it. Yep. And you don't see that in the, in the, in the film. Okay. But, you know... I couldn't remember if you had a quick reveal of any part of it when she hit the streets of London. Yep. And then either way is cool. The The armor had to happen and I'm glad it did. I yeah. can't remember what, what I what I or you said about it. Yeah, well, I remember what when I was watching it. She goes back to get the God Killer sword and then when she's leaving, she pauses. It's just a second and she sees something, right? And then when she's on the streets of London, she uh, her that big black fur coat that she's wearing, the John Snow coat. Yeah, exactly. It kind of opens, and you get a flash of the color of the of, of her suit. So yeah, it's something you hadn't noticed uh, when we did the podcast, but yeah, I knew she must have had it. Like I didn't think really that they took it but, off and, and airbrushed it. But blue incandescence is right that she sees something and takes it. It's the armor that she takes. But uh, I just want to thank uh, Blue Incandescence for writing that note, even though she called us on the carpet. So, okay, I'd like to know what she has to say about King Kong, the King Kong episode. Yeah, we've given her a slap down, so we'll see if she responds. <laughs> um, uh, if, uh, 
anybody listening wants to uh, have uh, us discuss their letters uh, like Blue Incandescence did through the comments on Podomatic, which is our home. And uh, we're also on iTunes. I don't think you can comment there, though, but you can definitely rate uh, our episodes there. That would be helpful. And you can reach us uh, through email at nerds at nerdstocking.com and Twitter and Facebook and all that. And share on Facebook. And share. share. Yeah, do all that. Share. You know, any, anytime you do that, this isn't really a paying gig. So uh, Sharing is caring. <laughs> exactly. So if you uh, share and comment and all that, it just gives us real gumption to keep going. Well, we get to move out of, out of like your garage <laughs> and the, the parking lot that we normally sit in. Between <laughs> parked cars. Exactly. Hello? Hello? What's going on here? So uh, I want to talk about a few other things that are going on nerd-wise before we get to Spidey. And uh, one is, the big news is that uh, this has all happened in the month uh, since we recorded, so for our last episode. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were kicked off of uh, the Han Solo flick and then replaced by Opie. Opie, don't belittle the poor <laughs> Opie. A.K.A. the little kid in the Twilight Zone in, what was that, Walking Distance. He's in it. And he's better as Richie. Richie Cunningham, exactly. Yeah, Richie Cunningham. Richie's better as well. than Opie. Yeah, well, yeah, R- Richie's an older, more f- filled out character. It's a difference in our ages, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, you uh, like that idea. You like that's what's happened, right? You know, I think that. Um I think that uh, Ron Howard is a is a good director. I think he has a good sense of humor mm. in his approach, and he works with people like like when he did Apollo thirteen with um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I think that Tom Hanks is the right kind of approach to humor for a Han Solo movie. Right. I could see Ron, Ron Howard, Howard working eh? well with like a Harrison Ford type, and if this other this young actor is playing the young Harrison Ford, he's going to be doing his best to be Harrison Ford. Yeah, but Tom Hanks wasn't the wasn't a laugh a minute. He was uh, he play he played. Uh, no, but it's a tone. It's a tone. It's not. <laughs> he was so much the leader of uh, Apollo thirteen, whatever his name was, Howell or something like that. The guy was the commander of the mission. Mm-hmm. He was just no nonsense, right? He's not being a Tom Hanks cut up. Yeah, I guess it's an overall look. It's approach to space, like the way he dealt with space in that film. Right. And he was the only he's the only shining light in Arrested Development season four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's actually in it in that one. Yeah. He's in it. They have meetings with him. And so I think that, you know, it, it brings a little hope. I think he himself yeah. has humor. Yeah. When you mentioned Arrested Development, that makes me feel a little better. But but uh, he didn't direct any of those. He was just the, uh, he was the voiceover, which was hilarious. But uh, to me, Ron Howard always seemed kind of just like a workman-like director. He doesn't really have, like, a lot of pizzazz. Like, he's replacing uh, Lord and Miller, who were great uh, directors of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and then, of course, the great Lego movie, which is, like, one of the best animated films. Yeah, but maybe those... See, they said that when they... Um, who was it? Uh, Marvel, Marvel executive so-and-so said that... Like Kevin Feig? No, uh... It was a woman. I forget oh, her name. she's isn't. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe she is she Disney when she said that. Uh, I don't know if she. It was when she announced that Ron Howard mm. was going to be the new director, and she said, "You know, often in this business, you hear the 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 uh, explanation of a creative differences." Yeah, yeah, right. And That's she used says, as a, in this case, it was absolutely true. Yeah, but I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I guess maybe those guys are being too wacky. I was hearing actually a good explanation for me was I read somewhere. So Lawrence Kasdan has written the script for the Han Solo film, right? Mm-hmm. So 
it was uh, seeming to me uh, what this article was saying was that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, like they like they allow a lot of um, improv, right? They get the actors to like, you know, Chris Pratt um, ad libbed a lot of his stuff in uh, the Lego Movie, and you know, it's hard you'd be hard pressed to find a better ad libber than Chris Pratt these days. But uh, so they were allowing a lot of free range with the script, and it was kind of pissing off. Uh, Kasdan because he's written the script right and he's the guy who wrote fucking Empire Strikes Back and he wrote uh, I think he wrote the first uh, Raiders didn't he uh, Indiana Jones I think that yeah, was I think so. Kasdan so he's you know he's an important writer the big chill he's written a lot of great movies so I think uh, those guys were letting a little bit too the actors go a little bit too free range on the script and Kasdan was pissed off and maybe that's why they got bounced but I don't know Rod Howard like if you look just in the genre field of the movies he's done, like pure genre, it's really only Willow, and Willow is a fucking terrible film. Well, <laughs> it was horrible. Even as a, I don't think I was a kid when Willow came out. I was probably a teenager. What about Night but, Shift? Night Shift was a great movie. Yeah, that's true. Splash, Splash is well, genre. yeah, the, the, yeah. I was gonna say that, but those are early stuff. Cocoon. Like, that's well, Cocoon is just well, modeling. Willow is like two years later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did Rand, how about how, The Grinch? How The Grinch Stole Christmas? Oh, my God. You're digging yourself a hole. Listen, that's a problem because uh, uh, I had listed that as one of two films that needs to be incinerated. Yeah. As I was going to develop one, that one just totally needs to be incinerated. Yeah. No one ever needs to watch that. Yeah. I think when you go with Ron Howard, it's a safe kind of white bread choice. Right? But that's it's a slick look. Like he did it is, the he's per- of- like I said, he's workman, like per- per- very nice looking. Yeah. Da Vinci, da Vinci Lo- Code yeah. and all those kind of films. I don't, I, he did Rush. That was pretty cool. A yeah, that's with the driver, right? Yeah. Yeah, race drivers. And yeah. that started Thor, so that's kind of genre. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what it's like. Uh, hey, did you, um, have you seen uh, 21 or 22 Jump Street? Yeah, I've seen them both. Because those guys, Phil Lord and Chris Miller directed those. Were they good? I was just I was looking for something live action, right? Because I know they've done, they did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and... Uh, and the Lego movie, but I was looking for live action stuff and they did those two movies. Yeah. So those movies are, see Lego mo- movie is genius. It's yeah. a great yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, Cloudy and the Chance of Meatballs. That's good. It's all right. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um, 21 Jump Street, one and 22 Jump Street yeah. are like cookie cutter, run of the mill, mm. point A to point B, comedy, right. buddy film. Okay. It's like, there is no right. gravy on the meat and potatoes. Right. You know? Right. Maybe that's a reason why then. So I was looking for, if they did live action stuff and that's the kind of stuff they were doing with the Han Solo film that I can kind of see why they yeah, made it. With Lego, it's like complete vanity thing. It's like, hey, you know, well, you know, we, we're funny. We, we, we've had funny conversations when we, with groups of funny people and they're, you know, if you did that and you wanted to brainstorm a film, Lego would be what you'd end up creating. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. But not Han Solo. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. Han Solo is a, an established character who's anchored in, you know, so fully in the Star Wars universe. There's Luke and Leia and Han, right? And the jokes have to be subtle. Yeah, it has to be anchored. So maybe, they, like I said, maybe they were going a little off the reservation and cheesing people off. But they went so long. Like, that was four months in a production. And a what's a movie? Like, nine months. So... It depends on the movie, but but I don't know really like it's it's also about the really system late. of these kinds of films and how they're laid out and for a shooting schedule. 
And the other weird thing is that they're holding to that May 2018 release date. They fucking can the directors and they bring it in all Ron Howard. Like, yeah, but maybe how Ron does that good, work? Maybe he's a, one of these guys who's like, you know, so good in the business that he keeps on budget. He has a schedule. Oh, he, is, he knows how to do is. all those things. So, yeah. you know, they brought in maybe the right guy to fix yeah, this mess. You might be right. I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I don't want to start getting down on it, but it was just, I like, I like those guys. They're different. They're the new Hollywood and Ron Howard is definitely fucking old Hollywood. So it's just interesting what's going to happen there. Or mainstream Hollywood, maybe. I wouldn't call it old Hollywood. One Ron Howard? Yeah. You just said Splash and what's that? Yeah, but he's been doing it, but I still wouldn't call it old. I don't think the way he the way he used to make films. He's an old, an old man. Way. But his new films are are current. Yeah. But they're they're I don't Steven find Spielberg's still making movies. He's doing Ready Player One, which is going to be a pretty cool film, I think. So Yeah. I think Ron Howard is of that kind of I think he's kind of a uh Spielberg was a mentor to him, I think. But uh anyway, moving on uh did you know that Tron was released 35 years ago? Just, I think a couple of days ago was the 35th anniversary. It took them that long to get around the maze. <laughs> exactly. And crash their speed that bike. Way. Yeah. Is that all you remember from Tron is a speed bike race? Well, <laughs> I remember a lot of red and a lot of blue and a lot of blue and red on black. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of day glow. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I liked it as a kid. I watched the uh, sequel. Yeah, Legacy. I liked it. Yeah, Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy was good. It was much better than the original film. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, the first one was, it was kind of an effects extravaganza, like maybe, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're going to be talking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, maybe not so much. Guardians of the Galaxy, I think is a good comparison to Tron, right? Because it's an out there film that's uh, going a little off the reservation, it's doing some wacky things and it's an effects extravaganza, right? And it can draw a straight line right back to Tron because Tron was like that. It was, it lacked, definitely lacked the humor and, you know, uh, tonal perfection of, um, of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But it's, it was a big extravaganza effects like no one had ever seen. Um, but don't you think that, you know, with Tron, because they made a, a sequel that kind of didn't, provide it was a better film but it didn't really provide something new and no, really wreck ralph was probably the better remake you know of, of, Tron? of immersing yourself into a computer world a video yeah. game world and it was so much more entertaining yeah tron was you know it's one of those films where and i'm saying i've said this a lot lately that you know more and more films are like this where you watch them and you're, you're entertained while you're watching them but then they're gone yep other things that are coming up is that there's the um hellboy reboot yeah Curious to see how that goes. Who's going to be Hellboy? Is it Ron, is it Perlman? Could no, it it's Ron? a complete reboot. Oh. It's Danny DeVito. Is, <laughs> That's they've gone, interesting. They've gone, they've gone. So he's just the hand. <laughs> the hand <laughs> of doom. He's just a glove running just around. The... <laughs> he's running around bumping into things. Nah. We love Danny DeVito. He should direct. He should direct Han Solo. That would be great. Yeah. yeah that would be. I like Danny DeVito. Like Throw Mama from the Train is one of my favorite War films of, of all time. Yeah, yeah, maybe not War of the Roses so much. You didn't like that. Got, I, it got really dark. Hey, listen, I just read. I have a. <laughs> I just bought a first edition of the book, and I read that. Who wrote the book? Um, I can't remember. Okay, but talk about dark. Way darker than the movie. Yeah. So he pulled back. Okay, right. And of course, twins. Yeah, and of course, twins. <laughs> yeah. Throw Mama from the Train, my one of my favorites. 
uh, Adam West passed away yeah. recently. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Adam West, Adam West. Holy strawberries, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Holy dust in the room, Batman. I've got tears in my eyes. It, you know, but Adam West in, uh, you know, comic book culture yep. is, is king. Hmm. You can have your Stan Lees, but Adam West was the guy who, you know, unlike so many people who got typecast, you know, came back. And embraced it. Yeah, he was. I'm thinking Shatner did the same thing. Yeah, and Shatner had the same kind of path. That's right. Path, and yeah. and found the humor in his own career. Yeah, yeah. Because something like that, something like Captain Kirk, something like Batman would eat you alive if you're not the certain type of person, right? Yeah. Well, like Michael Keaton. It's like uh, always thinking. Um, yeah, Michael Keaton. We'll be talking about him later. Well, it's like when Susan Sarandon wouldn't talk about being in Rocky Horror. She didn't want to talk about that. Right, Hans uh, Harrison Ford not wanting yeah, to talk about yeah. Han Solo. It's like fuck you. These are the people that made like yeah. with Susan Sarandon. We know she's a great actress. Yeah, but yeah. she was great in Rocky Horror. Yeah, so she shouldn't belittle her own exp- her own role in that film right. because the movie was a B movie. Right, you know, because the fact is, is it is one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, there's got to be an appreciation of the fans, right? There's an appreciation, not like the way it ate George Lucas alive. It's, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Right? It's a good thing. You got so sick of it, you had to sell the whole fucking franchise. Like, I can't take this shit anymore. You've got to... Oh, poor him. You've got to embrace the fans, see what the fans appreciate, right? Like, grab a hold of that. Don't just let it consume you. Like, oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. All these people ask me about the show. Well, you know, embrace that go with it because that's part of a big part of why you are where you are. Right. Yeah. So just don't be so fucking well, uptight. What about is, it. you know, what do we do things for? We do things for success. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be monetary success. It doesn't have to be, I wish yeah. I could be bitching about, Oh God, everyone just keeps talking to me about fucking nerd stocking. You know, I've done so yeah. much shit since then. I mean, it's talking about nerd stocking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> God, I did that so long ago. What the heck? It's like, why, why doesn't anybody <laughs> want to talk about my, treaty on the german really blue incandescence you want to talk to me about nerd stalking i've done so much but it's like you know adam west (laughs) acknowledged that it's like he's fucking batman cc spacek is a great actress yes you know she's done many great films coal miner's daughter probably has academy awards yeah she does yeah adam west doesn't but you know what cc spacek isn't batman Batman. (laughs) it's it's true though i'm batman there shouldn't be any women at all in this world just children and men. So, Chad, have you ever read Penthouse? Penthouse, Penthouse. Yeah. You never heard of that magazine? Started in 1977 by uh, Bobby Guccione. Hey, you do know something I don't know if it's 77, it. but... I, I watched a... There's a great documentary on Guccione called uh, Beautiful Vulgar... I think you've Vulgar Beautiful... Yeah, I think you mentioned that before. Did you see um, uh, the one with Woody Harrelson where he's playing him? No, he no that's Larry, not Larry Flint. Larry Flint. That's yeah, Hustler magazine. Yeah, sorry. Getting my smut rags mixed up. Hustler was was the one that perfected what Penthouse tried to do to Pe- Playboy. So Ooh, Playboy right. did one thing. Penthouse yeah. thought, "Aha, I'm edgier." And Hustler went. Larry Flynn was like, "You, you're edgy. <laughs> Let's crucify a nude woman." <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a good movie, anyway. The it People was. versus Larry Flint yeah. was really good. Ends up getting shot for his troubles, but uh, Penthouse. Um, Bob Guccione, I guess as part of whatever penthouse industries or whatever holding company he had, he did a science magazine called Omni, which I loved when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And 
and they're going to actually start printing Omni Magazine again this fall. They're going to start on paper. Start running. Yeah, in a paper magazine. <laughs> wow. So Bob Guglioni, um was he was you know he got sort of ridiculed because of Pentest. But the fact is, is that he was an artist. He, he was. Oh, he had a, a beautiful he, magazine. He's a visionary. It's a really beautiful mag. He has a lot of artists, futurists like Sid Mead and, you know, all the guys that do the posters for like, you know, Star Wars and all those science fiction uh, posters. He, they were doing great art. They'd have huge pictures in it. And it was like amazing stuff. Well, did you ever see Caligula? I did. So, like, <laughs> you know, movie that he produced. That was like with, an amazing, uh, you know, with, amazing with, little piece of film history where with Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, the yeah. uh, and there was else John, John Gilgood was his, was one of the senators, I think. No, Lawrence Olivier. What was, was it, Lawrence Olivier? Maybe, Lawrence maybe they're both in it. Maybe they're both in it. It's not John Gilgood. No, it's yeah, it's Lawrence Olivier. I think he plays the um, the the like a advisor. Roman senator or something. The advisor. Right. But it had like hardcore porn scenes and whatever. Yep. But, you know, when he started making it, people lost their shit. And then he lost all of his funding. He lost his backing, was running over budget. Mm. He ended up, and this, I love this this story. This is like the hearing that uh, Richard O'Brien sold Rocky Horror for $25,000, right? Right. But Bob Guccione said, you know, nobody will touch this movie. It's finally made. Nobody will run it because it's not a not porn movie and it's not quite a porn movie. Right. So where do I, so he bought a theater in New York city Okay, and just played it. And it was a full house every single day for like <laughs> a year and a half or something like that. That's funny. He made tons of money on it. It's yeah. crazy. That's a good, good story, bra. Yeah. So look out for Omni magazine coming this fall. Uh, the last thing I have on my agenda is that uh, really looks solid that Daniel Craig's going to sign on for bond 25. You know, <laughs> You've, I think you've, you've, you're tired of Craig, aren't you? You know, I liked Craig in Casino Royale. Well, Casino Royale is one of the best Bond films ever. Yeah. But and it just got slowly worse <laughs> and worse. And with that heap of steaming pile of yeah. turd, dog turd, yeah. that um, that Spectre was, yeah. you know, we talk about uh, feminist films. Yeah. That was such a disgusting sort of rapey movie and weirdness. I think right. that... And then coupled with the fact that Daniel Craig talks shit about the character all the way through, yeah, calling him a misogynist, and you know, it's yeah. like okay, if you're saying this about this one movie and if it was an anomaly, then fine. Yeah. But this is the legacy that is James Bond. He is a womanizer. He is, yeah. you know, that's his job though. It's not that he's a womanizer. It's yeah. that his job is womanizing. Right. At least it has been traditionally. Yeah, because he settled down in uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, look at that got him. <laughs> <laughs> dead wife <laughs> you know but it's sort of like uh i think that daniel craig shouldn't be cast as the next one even though he was he was so good in one of the movies yeah although somebody told me they they went on and on about how good skyfall oh uh yeah this this screenplay editor that i know just loved skyfall, skyfall. couldn't could shut up about it right and i thought that was just such a shitty film yeah i saw specter i hadn't seen it in the theaters but i watched it not too long ago it's not too bad it's not bad waltz is a terrible blowfeld though that might since it like it's specter is supposed to be the culmination of all of all of craig's uh bond movies right he's like searching for this organization and he finally gets an inspector but waltz is like not good Right. Oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> well, he's all, again, he's the playful, you know, urbane villain. And yes. it's like, if you're rebooting everything, you rebooted uh, uh, 
Daniel Craig as this really gritty, physical, you know, beat the shit parkour fucking motherfucker. And then you have Blofeld as an effeminate. Like Christopher Waltz is effeminate. Like I have to use that word, right? He's just he's prancing, he's mincing, he's you know, he's like wint and twirling. He's he's like his baby finger. He's out. like wint and kid in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. He's like the you know the oh the the two guys the two guys yeah the two assassins yeah the two assassins right he's yeah. like Christopher Waltz is like channeling those guys and it's like that's not a good Blofeld well I keep saying Mads Mikkelsen shouldn't have yeah. been wasted in, in Casino Royale I liked him as Le Chiffre but oh I loved him but it, he would have been a great Blofeld they should have saved him yeah he would have been a really good Blofeld you're a friendly neighborhood Spider Man I'm fed up with all this talk about Spider Man no Spider Man Homecoming. We're going to be doing spoilers for Spider-Man, so uh, you're, a, as Chad says, you're a fool if you uh, keep listening, if you haven't seen the film. Yeah, this is this is either you've seen it and we're telling you things that maybe you didn't notice, or things that you did notice, right. or you haven't seen it or, and, and you want to know what to look for. Or we'll save you 18 bucks and you can just listen to this podcast. There you go. And you'll know everything there is not, about the movie. We're not going to tell you all the things that happened, in what order. We're going to make up order. I don't understand why it's called Homecoming. Let me just start right just with the title. Okay. I know that there's a homecoming dance in it. Yeah. And that might be the climax of the film. Okay. Right? Or no, sorry, that's the crisis of the film. Yeah. But it's sort of like still no bearing on why they called it homecoming. Well, I thought it was a kind of a reference of it being brought back to Marvel on the MCU. Yeah, but that's for them to to have their own shit about, you know. That's not for us. It's not for us. I no, think it kind of is. Yeah, but maybe you know. That's okay. Marvel's making a Spider-Man film finally after Sony's raping of it in the two amazing Spider-Man films. Well, I will say this: that Sony has figured it out. You know, I, I think that Sony deserves a great pat in the back for saying, "Listen, we get it. We you suck. Have, you have the license. We suck." But you fucking figured it out. <laughs> you know, you worked out a deal with Marvel. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to make a boatload of money. And yeah. I don't know if all the decisions were whose decision was what. Oh. But the fact is, is that they got to make a great Spider-Man movie. They got to connect it to the Marvel Universe. It is now seamless. Yep. Like they're in it now and they're in it in a good way. Yep. Uh, Sony shameless plugs inside. There's some advertising, you know, yeah. and whatever. Every monitor in the school is a Sony. Is it? He's I, using a Sony Vio laptop. When they go to the, the school <laughs> spelling bee or whatever it was, yeah. they, <laughs> they there's an ad, and it has like a few companies, and Sony is one of them. Oh and, right. Um, I was thinking. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, kind of related to that was it's funny that because Ned, who's Peter Parker's buddy, who's like fucking fantastic in it, he. Uh, he wants to uh, have Peter come over and like they're going to build the Death Star Lego. <laughs> and like, oh, that's interesting. Now we got the synergy between Marvel and Star Wars. Oh, yeah, now. Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a little ad for that. You know, <laughs> Spider-Man's too fucking big. Like, he was never my favorite character. I like the 60s cartoon. Yeah. But Spider-Man was always like... You know what's funny is... Weaselly. I always man. say in this podcast uh, is I'm not the comics guy. I always uh, defer to you for the our comics uh, side of things. I wasn't a collector. I, I read a few. And one of the few I read was The Amazing Spider-Man. I read quite a few of those issues because I just, like we are saying before, it's relatable. I can relate to Spider-Man. I can't relate to Superman or Batman. See, or I relate Wonder to Captain Woman. America very well, America. but I don't relate to Peter Parker. Right. You know, I'm just I'm just that kind of guy. Well, like you always you always ask me, <laughs> Bill, why do we call this uh, podcast Nerd Stocking? Because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I were, I, guess you I would are. be the king of the nerds. Maybe no. you are. Hey, that's why we yeah. call it. Uh, yeah, at least we didn't call it geek stalking. That would just be weird. Yeah, yeah. You know? let's be like going after f- freaks. It's like, come here, come here. I want you to bite the head off this <laughs> chicken. <laughs> <laughs> geek stalking. That uh, wouldn't work. Uh, you know, okay, so Sony got it right. Sony figured it out, and they, they should really send a, a message to 20th Century Fox to say, wake the fuck up. Right, for because the X- we want For the X-Men. Oh, fuck the like I, No, I say fuck the X-Men. People like the X-Men. I'm not one of them, yeah. but, but the X-Men are part of that world. And even in the comics, they were never really part of the world, except for Wolverine, who was an Avenger. Right. But more importantly, Fantastic Four. Right, the Fantastic Four. Oh my Four. God, yeah, it's even worse. You know, X Men have been. It's a rocky road with the X Men, but Fantastic Four. It's a fucking race to the bottom. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't mind the last movie. Yeah, but but compare it. Oh no, it's just like it's <laughs> like you can't. Twentieth Com- Century Fox should do whatever they can to work it out and unite these characters. Maybe that it's way- a good. This is a good overture. It's the initial overture to fixing that, fixing what's broken uh, with those with those Marvel characters, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because they can't do it. Roger <laughs> Corman can't do it. I think Roger Corman was the only one who did do it, but everybody else, right from the get go, besides yeah. Sony having it figured out. Yeah, the Spider Man theme. Yeah, right at the beginning. It's over the, the second Marvel. best theme ever. Maybe the third best after mine and the original one. But- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you're talking about a retrospective I did of all. I did eight, not all eighteen, but I did eighteen uh, versions of that cover of the '60s Spider-Man TV show, one a day leading up to the premiere of the film. If you go to our website nerdstocking.com, you'll see them all. Yeah, check them out. out. Like them on YouTube. And the last one done by our own illustrious Chad Gendron. Well, thank you very much. Which is a good one. Uh, Don't play it for the kids. Yeah, exactly. What's cancer, Mama? I played it for my kids. (laughs) It's surprising how dark that song gets, your version of it. Yeah, my (laughs) wife looked at me like, you said what? (laughs) Do you mean he's... Oh. Um, But I... You know, there are a handful of great themes... There, are like you know, there, there's there's great soundtrack songs, but there are yeah. great themes. Superman has a great theme. Star Wars has an amazing theme. Yeah. Batman, everybody knows it. Yeah. Spider Man is one of those themes that everybody knows. Every most people can sing from right. a TV show that maybe they have they don't even know as well as you and I know. Right. But yet, it's never been utilized properly. Well, there's probably one of the, it's probably one of those themes where you'll go to uh, Baxwana and say yeah. Spider Man, Spider Man, and they'll start singing the That's song. Right. <laughs> they might not even know the words, but they know the the hook. Yeah. And this film, right from the beginning, yeah, gave you. us yeah. a like a, a John Williams esque yeah. Spider Man theme. Yeah. Well, this is what we were talking about with we were talking about DC films that are trying they're trying to build the DCU is they don't look back at the stuff that's come before and utilize that. Right. All that stuff's got to be jettisoned. We're doing serious superhero films. We can't. We're not going to look at Adam West. We're not going to reference any of that, right? Yes, we're not going to make Wonder Woman anything <laughs> yeah. like Captain yeah. America, even though we're going to give her yeah. a shield. Yeah, we will make Justice League like scrubbing toilet with toothbrush. That's <laughs> right. Like and then you brush with Listerine. And then you use it in your own mouth. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they'll jettison all that. We don't, we're not going not to deal with any of that. We're not going to have fun with any of our history. But... Uh, Marvel is obviously, they love that because the first thing you hear is that an orchestrated version of the 60s Spider-Man. And a thing. good orchestrated version. Yeah. That's not going to be dated. It's going to be the way that when you hear the Superman theme from the original Christopher Reeves films, right. it's like that 
sounds is great to and me. i think it's influencing the rest of the score you know they have motifs and they build it around that like john williams will do star wars and then he'll play you know he builds different moods around that one theme yeah and they've i think that they, I, when i was watching the film i was thinking i was hearing touches of that they do motifs based around that theme it's very integral part of the soundtrack yeah they, i think that yeah. they shouldn't have had so much 80s music though Oh yeah. Throughout like every dance there it's all all the music. Most of the like the pop songs that you'd hear were all like 80s ish. I didn't notice that. It's kind of like, you know, this isn't pretty music. I didn't notice that. Well, one thing I was going to say is I always talk up Captain America Winter Soldier, right? I'm always talking about that. Like to me that's one of the best that Marvel's done. Sure. That's one of the best films they've done out of the out of the bunch that they're doing. Whatever phase they're in now, phase 4, I guess. Out of all of them, that's one of the best ones. And why? It's because, you know, when I saw all I needed for superhero films, when it comes to pure superhero films, all I needed was Iron Man to set up the MCU and then Captain America just to continue that, right? The very early entries in the MCU, right? So that's all I needed. Now, I don't want to keep seeing the same shit over and over again. Like we've talked this talked about this in previous episodes is it's going to it's going to start collapsing under its own weight if it just keeps doing the same thing like Wonder Woman did where you've got a boss battle at the end where it's just bodies clashing smashing together, right? We're going to we're getting sick of that. So Winter Soldier I really liked because they're taking a superhero film and they're making it into a 70s espionage thriller like Three Days of the Condor or The Parallax View or something mm-hmm. like that, right? A, a, a paranoid uh, 70s thriller, right? In the era of Watergate, right? That's what, that, that's what they did with that. They took Captain America and they put him in that frame and that was brilliant. I love that where I can see what they're doing. That's really interesting. That's what they're doing. And with Spider-Man, it was the same thing because they're taking a superhero film and they're making it into a John Hughes film, right? Yeah. Well, like Ant-Man. Yeah. Like they're similar because I, you know, they're very insular. Well, yeah, that's another point I was going to get yeah. get at. Is he literally is a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and that's kind of a theme in the film, right? But uh, that is brilliant. Make take a superhero film, make it into John Hughes. They reference, uh, they even show a clip of Ferris Bueller at yeah. one point where he's running through the backyards. Like that is such an interesting, brilliant idea. Is they make a Peter's? You know, I was complaining when I saw. I think in our, uh, we didn't do a full episode on Civil War, but we talked about it at the beginning of one of the previous episodes. So in when we we saw Civil War, I was complaining about Spider Man. I was like. Is he too young? Did he? Does he seem too young to you? I was complaining because he really is like uh, in the movie. He's fifteen years old. I'm like that seems to be a little young for me. But it's brilliant what they do in this now is they 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 use that. So uh, Peter Parker is in high school, and they brilliantly integrate Peter Parker's high school life, like it's a John Hughes film, into the superhero genre, right? Yeah. It's brilliantly done. It's it's an integral part of it. It's not just like in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, who was like, you know, fucking probably pushing 30 when he, when he did yeah. that movie. The, the high school stuff, you know, it had an interesting origin story, the original Spider-Man film, but uh, it uh, took the high school stuff and it was almost kind of like just dressing, right? But this... Spider-Man Homecoming, which you're you're wondering, that's probably the reason, really, reason why they call it Spider-Man Homecoming, is it's mostly about Peter Parker's personal you know, trials and tribulations as a high school student. Sure. And it was really 
I like that. I enjoyed that. I see now that they've used his youth in an interesting uh, way. Well, right? in the script, the school is the obstacle that keeps the protagonist moving because yeah. it's like you have, you know, he has to do all these things while going to school. Yeah, he's juggling that. So that was a big struggle in one, two, and three Spider-Man. It was Peter Parker juggling his personal life with uh, Peter Parker? Peter Parker. Peter Parker picked up Parker. Parker Parker the personal lives. So he's juggling his life. He's trying to juggle his life, and he's trying to maybe uh, he's keeping away from Mary Jane. He's made a you know it's, he's made his choice there, but he's juggling things. And I don't it's, know if that's legal in New York City yet, Mary Jane. <laughs> exactly. But uh, he in uh, Homecoming, it's really uh, an an important part of it. It's an important part of of the film. Well, like doing. the two Garfield ones, I you know. Oh God! Uh, they had moments. I liked him better than Tobey Maguire as Spider Man in pretty shitty movies. And uh, you know, yeah. in retrospect, I don't know if I liked Andrew it, Garfield was so twitchy. It's like he like he had palsy. It's like. It's yeah, like, it's like it's Stephen Hawking. Well, some <laughs> some Spider Man purists might say that you know they don't like change, right? This is where I make the joke about the crew cut and the plaid jacket. He's six foot one, right? And he's like, "Hey, Mary Jane, like, uh, you know, I'm ready for university now." Right. And he's so old and grown up, whereas right. this film says he's a kid. Yeah, you know, because he's supposed to be a kid. He's a kid bitten by a radioactive spider, and that's is what- he ever a kid in the car- comics? Well, he's a yeah. He's, he's it, not. He's, was he ever fifteen years old? Well, no, but maybe he was sixteen years old, yeah. right? Or seventeen years old. Like he was, he's he spends a lot of time in high school, right? right? And then he leaves high school and he goes off and he gets a job as a photographer, right? But it's sort of like, you know, why not have him as a kid? Have him as a kid genius. He goes on a school trip. They've changed things like Flash isn't, uh, you know, he's not a jock. Yeah. He's a fellow smart kid. Right. You know? Sort of annoying. Yeah, he's still an annoying dick. Yeah, he's a dick. But he's like, he's now one of his peers as opposed to a complete, Yeah, something, and then running, somebody running in a different stratus than he is, right? That's right. Yeah. So I liked it. I liked uh, the jokes they made about Aunt May and- yeah, hot, the hot Aunt May. The, hot Aunt May. <laughs> the waiters hitting on her, and here have free. This is on the house. But oh, so not to get away from the beginning, the yeah. the whole like skipping an origin story. That was great. I was so glad. We all know we don't need it. They we do not need they it. They spent thirty seconds with the origin story in a yeah. conversation. They said, you got so bit by a spider. Can I get bit by a radioactive? <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, it was well, it. oh no, he's it was, dead. It was um, well done. It was well know? done. It was well done. But the, that whole that whole sorry that whole scene is um. We're talking about your version of uh, the Spider-Man theme where you did a video to go along with it, too, and Spider-Man is actually laying eggs. <laughs> they took your joke. Yeah. They it's took like, your Can joke. you lay eggs? <laughs> they actually asked him that. It was funny. It was so good. Ned, his buddy there, was, was great. Because you need to. Like, this is the other thing about making it somewhat believable, right? You have to have yeah, It's a John know. Hughes. It's a, that's the thing about John Hughes, right? Like, now you get American Pie and just fucking wacky teen comedies right but john hughes did a string like you mentioned pity pretty in pink 16 candles ferris bueller you know a whole raft of them of teenage coming of age stories that were sincere and you watched it and uh, the breakfast club mm-hmm. you'd watch it and you recognize all the friends you had maybe you'd recognize yourself right great brilliant teenage comedies yeah it's not always so 
the, here's the kid who gets bullied by that kid. Yeah. You know, it's like well, that's what they always did in Spider-Man. Like you had Flash, you had Flash Thompson, the big jock, and yeah. he'd be taking swings at Spider-Man, and they'd have that great scene in the original where Tobey Maguire is ducking him. Well, now Flash is Venom in the yeah. comics, right? Yeah. But it's sort of like yeah. you know, you have, uh, you know, I think that it's important that he has allies. He can't be so alone. Like in this one, he has the connection to the Avengers and Tony Stark. He has yep. the connection to his buddy who finds out, and it's a beautiful reveal. <laughs> it's so great. It is you know. So good. Um, so good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Aunt May ultimately. Yeah. At the, right at the very it end. It's a great little thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. it could be explained away in the next film, but it was a great, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Marissa Tomei is awesome. Yeah. They keep making her younger. If he's going to be younger, you know, as Peter Parker becomes two yeah. years younger, Aunt yeah. May becomes 30 years yeah. younger. You're talking about lack of origin stories, also, zero Uncle Ben either relative yeah. or box of rice. That's right. And there's uh, no, what was a really uh, failing of the amazing Spider-Man ones is he's, he's, there's no hand-wringing about his dead parents, right? Yeah. None of that at all is dealt with in Not any way. one peep about it. <laughs> Which is good, I think. We know it. Yeah. We know there's a tragic story. Yeah. But this is not how, see, this is the thing is that in this story, they replace Uncle Ben with another error in judgment. What's that? Which is the boat, right? The boat. The ferry. Oh, right. That's his fuck up, where he realizes that, you know, he makes a mistake. He gets in over his head, I guess. Yeah. He's pushing things a little and, too far. And it's, and it's all of these people's lives were put in jeopardy. Right. He loses the suit, and that's, you know, that's that. So instead of having Uncle Ben right. die in his arms. Well, I like I liked, uh, Tony Stark clucking his tongue and waving his finger at uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. The the creator of Ultron. <laughs> exactly. The purveyor of Sokovia. I'm going to wave my fucking finger at you. Shut up, douche. You know, this one wasn't <laughs> packed with as many laughs as Guardians, but yeah. but enough laughs. Yeah. Again, yeah. it was more, it's like John it Hughes. It is like a John, John Hughes. John Hughes is not fucking American Pie. No. John Hughes is, uh, American Pie is a fucking bastardization of what John Hughes was doing yeah. as when his comedies. And But that's what this is going back to be as a fucking sp- Marvel superhero film, which I love. It's such a great idea, and they do it, and they do it really well. They, it's not a a cheap uh, copying of that. It's just the feel. They're getting the tone of it right I found, in that genre. I found it's interesting how throughout the whole film, the love interest, yeah, who what's her name, Liz, Liz Toomes, yeah, um, you never feel that she's the love interest. You feel that the the mysterious brooding emo girl is is the one that you're more interested in. Well, that's the one maybe you're more interested in, but you know that they make it quite obvious that Peter's lusting after Liz. Of course, yeah. yeah. But that's that's the typical. There's the, the the perfect story. That's that's this is the typical '80s movie. Well, like you said, Pretty in Pink. It's yeah. uh, you've got Molly Ringwald, and I don't know why anybody would uh, pine after her. But you've got Molly Ringwald and uh, John Cryer is the one guy that's going after her. And then there's the, who was it? Um, uh, not James Spader, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Well, Andrew Garfield was in it? No, not Andrew Garfield. That's Spider-Man. Not Andrew Garfield. Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy. That's it. <laughs> It'd be better if it was Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Whoa. He's four years old and he's fighting after Molly Ringwald. No. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, that's another callback to John Hughes, right? Yeah, is that mixing it up? There's a triangle, right? Yeah. So, but you, you, you're interested in. I was interested in her throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. She it, was really good. So I subtle. Like, I like where uh, Peter Parker comes in the party, 
And she goes, hey. Gives him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> she was a great character. Yeah, she was, was a, a great, great character. And at the end, yeah. they reveal who she is. Yeah, MJ. Yeah. So it's sort yeah. of like, great. So this is, this is, this is, it was so well laid out yeah. to set up his future and, and all of these things and update them in a way that makes sense because, um, you know, these are important characters and the, the, you had, you had asked about, um, uh, Liz Toom. So I, I did a little looking, a okay. little looking. Cause if she, I was wondering if she was in the comic. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I was wondering if they pulled her from if She was on a whole cloth for the movie or if she had been a character. So there. she is from Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, but she has no relation to, to the vulture. Hmm. She is a re- so, you know, that was the play in this one where she's now the daughter of the vulture. Spoilers. Yeah. I uh, was genuinely surprised about that. Yeah, it was great. When he opens, knocks on their on her door and he answers, like, whoa, I it's, was fucking surprised. It is great script. Well, you think that he's got them captive. Yeah. You think he figured it out and he's got them hostage. Yeah. You think, oh, right? he showed up ahead of time or whatever, That's right. right? The Goblin did that in one movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was so well scripted, but it, you go back and it's like, yeah, it was, oh, you don't need to see the film more than once to realize that, yeah, all the family, I do this for my family. I'm living, yeah. a, he's a regular Joe. He's trying to make, right. pay his bills. Yeah, it's so well done. Yeah. You know, the family doesn't know what he does. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so in yeah. the original, um, the original character was called Liz Allen Osborne. Liz Allen. Osborne, and that's interesting. She marries uh, Harry Harry, ha- uh, Harry yeah. Osborne. Yeah, eventually. Wow. She was a love interest. She was actually Flash because they were girlfriend. Uh, the Harry and Peter were always vying for Mary Jane, right? I don't, I don't know about I don't know about that part. Uh, what, is that I, was that's that an in the movie? The, in, that was an invention it, of the movie, though. I, th- I oh, think. Okay. I right. think. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. But she was a love interest of Parker. She yep. was Flash Thompson's girlfriend. Right. Eventually, she marries Harry Osborne. She's a real uh, skink. She kind of comes around. And goes, she's a nothing character. <laughs> she gets around just when somebody needs a girlfriend to be kidnapped. Yeah, enter Liz Allen. Right. Um, so yeah, he she comes and goes, and she's just sort of eventually she becomes a daredevil, you know, walk in. Yeah, they bring her back every once in a while when they need a, some sort of female character that has some history with Parker. Right. Well, it's interesting what they did with her in the movie. I like that. It might indicate that they she's going to come back. They used kind of race in an interesting way too, right? It's we're kind of past it, but it was still. I'm just saying in the in the device of the film, like I said, it comes as such a surprise because Liz is obviously African American or a, a mix that you find out. And so that just leads you away a little bit. Yeah, you, it makes it even more shocking. Yeah. Right? But yeah. why not? Sure. Right? They, they did cast an actress who could be. Yeah. And it was good casting. Everybody was good in, in it. Well, Michael Keaton is amazing. I like him so much in this movie. It's fantastic. Let's face it. Michael Keaton's great in everything. Yeah. And I don't know what yeah. it is about characters who fly, but he was, yeah. he's been Batman. Bird, he's been Birdman. Harvey Birdman. <laughs> And now the owl, yeah. the, the, the vulture. vulture. So yeah. the owl. He was so good. I love that scene uh, where Peter goes, there's the big surprise. Who's okay. the guy, the guy who, who becomes the... The shocker? The, sh- the second shocker. Yeah. That actor. Yeah, he's been around. He's like a jackass and everything. Yeah. He's always like the asshole thug. Yeah. Was he in Colors or uh, one of those? Boys he, yeah, he's been in stuff. He always plays kind of a laid back... 
I've seen him yeah, in something a laid where back, he was a gang, like a gangbanger. He's got a laid back delivery. He's kind of a laid back guy. He kind of reminds me of Dave Chappelle, sort of in the look, the look of him. <laughs> or is it because he's black, Bill? Um, Do all of these <laughs> actors look the same to you, Bill? Yeah, he looks like Sidney Poitier, who looks like <laughs> and and Halle Samuel Berry mixed Jackson, together. And he looks like Halle Berry too, because she's black. He has such good diction. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> oh, I know who he was. You really liked, um, yeah, that's who he is. You really liked the remake of uh, Total Recall. Yeah. That was his buddy. Yeah, but he was in something else. That was his buddy. In the meantime, I was Who they send him. in. He's the guy they send in to try to talk uh, Quaid down. He's like, uh, you're still in the chair at Recall. He's the guy. He's his buddy. But uh, uh, yeah, Michael Keaton, there's a scene where he goes in, uh, Peter Parker goes to pick up his date, big reveal, it's uh, Vulture is her um, father. There's Peter knows, he's seen him, so he knows that who he is. There's very, you know, it's a very tense scene where... As uh, he's remember, as he's putting it yeah, together, it's so well done. Yeah, acting, great acting by Tom Holland in that scene, actually. You're oh, right. and Michael Keaton. And, was... Well, Michael Keaton doesn't know anything. He's oblivious, right? No, but as he, as his wheels well, are turning. Gonna, yeah. I was going to say, so he, uh, uh, Holland, or uh, uh, Peter Parker is, uh, is, is in an awkward position. It's funny how they interplay it again, kind of like a weird John Hughes meeting the father, but you're meeting the father, fa- the father you're meeting is your arch enemy, you know? dangerous man it's kind of interesting so they get in the car and they drive to the high school for the homecoming dance and like you're saying <laughs> as keaton's driving he's putting it together he's, you're watching from the front windshield yeah, yeah. as he's driving and yeah. the kids are in the back yeah. seat and uh, keaton putting it together is amazing and then when he finds out he has that a great keaton moment where he's really creepy he's kind of weird He's got a weird smile that's like a shark, right? He's got a kind of a shark smile. Yeah. It's amazing acting. A great job from Keaton in that. It's funny, you know, what they should have done. Uh, you know what they should do? I was thinking this. For uh, the Batman is they should cast Michael Keaton as the Joker. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great stunt casting? Sure. He, he played Batman and now he's the Joker. Or some villain. Yeah, some villain. Should make him some, I guess, little Jared Leto crackpot fucking weirdo is the Joker now. But they should do that. That would be great. It's full circle for Michael Keaton. You know, Michael Keaton, you go through the the list of films. We're back to Ron Howard with the Night Shift. Yep. And on and on. It's like Beetlejuice. Wait, I got a great idea. Microwave pockets. Then we can just put our potatoes in the pockets and cook them. It's from uh, Night Shift. Remember that? I'm an idea man. I'm an idea man. That actor, he was in Ray. He played Fathead Newman. Who's that? The shocker guy. I like the Vulcan's jet. Uh, the Vulcan. Live long and prosper, Peter. <laughs> no, uh, the Vulture. I like his jacket because it had oh, the it was fur. So good. It had the fur like the. I only remember the. Like I said, I, don't, I didn't read any comics, but I remember the Vulture from the cartoon had that. Yeah, he's Sorry. got a big furry. He's got like a, a fur V. He's like got a, a, v, a v for vulture, I guess. No, it's just a big. It's a. Big... I think it's a V for vulture. Well, <laughs> you can think what you want. It's the fur trim of his of his whatever he's wearing. But it's that fur collar like a like a vulture has. Yeah. Right. They got the bald head that comes out of it like a bushy. Right, and it's funny too because he is a vulture because he's swooping in trying to steal the technology they're they're pulling out of the wreckage from uh, the Avengers. So he is a vulture. Hey, you know what's funny? So. 
What's not, funny? Not to beat the dead horse of that actor. His name's Bokeem Woodbine. Mm. And I went back through some of his earlier stuff. Yep. And, uh, and he was in Crooklyn, which is a great movie. I still listen to that soundtrack regularly. He was in Panther, which was another great movie that maybe wasn't so successful. Dead Presidents. But more importantly, he was in Freeway. I don't even. I think he played the boyfriend in Freeway, which is one of my all-time favorite films. What's it about? It's Reese Witherspoon. I think it's her first film. Okay. It's about a a girl whose mother, who's a crack whore. Okay. So uh, it's a feel-good hit of the season. Yeah. Her stepdad is like a pervy, pedophile-esque oh, guy. <laughs> and so she's really making me want to see I'm, this. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm going to go visit my grandmother on the West Coast, and she has nothing to go on really. Yep. And she doesn't know who her real father is. She has a picture of him in her wallet, and it's Richard Speck. <laughs> and she goes and she encounters the serial That's killer. That's the um, son of Sam. No, Richard Speck was Richard Speck. He's the guy who killed the nurses. Richard Speck? Yeah, he's the killed the eight nurses in the dorm. No, that's... Uh... Son of Sam was the son of Sam Berkowitz in New York City. Oh, Berkowitz. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Richard Speck was the pointy-faced guy who hid under the bed. Um, but anyway, so she's, right. she goes on this trek to get to her, her grandmother's on the West Coast or East Coast or whatever. We really have to do a serial killer episode of Nerd Sagging. And... She encounters the serial killer, played by Kiefer Sutherland, yep. whose wife is played by Brooke Shields. We're back to her. Yeah. But it's a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> As serial killers. Yeah. That's awesome. It is a fucking great movie. <laughs> it was so it's, good. What's it called? Freeway. Wow. It is so good. That's amazing. I have to look for that one. Yeah, it's a great one. There That's cool. One thing I didn't like is, um, you know, I have to nitpick every episode. But one thing I didn't like is at the beginning... Uh, uh, Keaton is running a construction company or salvage company or whatever, right, to fix the fucking wreckage from the original Avengers, right, yeah. in New York. And they're getting to work, and then Tyne Daly shows up telling him that it's all shut down, that the Stark, you know, damage recovery, whatever they call, it's called, like he's got some organization yeah. that's going to, that's going to, like, clean everything up. Clean everything up. He's like, you're done here. She, she says, you're done here. And he gets all pissed off, and it's... uh kind of supposed to be his origin story, which is that's why he starts becoming yeah. the vulture to steal the equipment that he sees. And it's played kind of well in the film where it's like, it's like a 1% kind of thing, right? He's like Stark up in his fucking ivory tower there, literally the Avengers tower. And uh, they're c- keeping the thumbs on top of, on us little guys. Right. And it plays into P- Parker, you know, keeping to the neighborhood of uh, Queens to do his, work as Spider-Man, right? He's going to be keep he's going to keep to the neighborhood and help the little guys. Like it's a stay refer- on the ground. Yeah. yeah, stay on the ground. It's a referring thing. So, but Tyne Daly comes in there at the beginning and says we're shutting you down and and, and they kind of make it like it's a dramatic thing like uh, Keaton says, oh, "I bought trucks here, you know. I, I, I had got, to buy extra trucks. I had to, to buy extra this. trucks to do this." But he's working you know, what are they doing? They're fixing the fucking wreckage of of New York, which we saw in the Avengers in like porn, like destruction mm-hmm. porn, right? We've complained about that. Yeah. It becomes just a fucking cacophony of buildings falling down. So I think Michael Keaton is going to be okay. You know, to- tombs. I think he's going to be able to find another contract fixing the fucking abject destruction well, of New York. You don't right? even have to go there, though. Just <laughs> go there and say uh, Stark hires this this group to, to deal with shit. Yeah. But if they've already given the contract to, to tombs, yeah. then hire him. Yeah. All he has to do is collect the shit off the ground and deliver it to a place. Yeah. 
And, and he it, obviously knows what he's doing because they show him at the beginning, like the guy, I think his the guy you're just talking about, the yeah. actor, he's trying to get the the glowing lights off the thing and and uh, Keaton goes, no, 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 you, just, you have to use the same material to get that material off. And he's yeah. like scraping them off really easy, right? So he knows what the fuck he's doing right. to just make it into a, his origin story. And I don't think it's enough. It's it's weak. Yeah. It, it's a weak way of starting him. There's no way that they're just going to ruin, financially ruin somebody who's been given the, the go-ahead. Yeah. He's got know? a contract. He's, but they'll it's have like, to pay. fine, I won't do it. Pay, just pay me. Buy then. me out. Yeah. Like it's just kind of a it seemed to me kind of weak. It is weak, but the yeah. opening and the and the just before that when they sort of run through Civil War and all the things from the other side, when Tony Stark shows uh, grabs Spider Man, gives him his costume, gets him the steel cap shield, and you see oh, everything. Yeah. He's doing a vlog. He's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> that was really well done. It's all first person because he's holding the thing, right? That's right. That was really good. You're right. And then that he was sets a good the camera start. up, and then you see like the so long shot as he goes and he steals Cap Shield and lands down. <laughs> it's a, out of he sets a camera down, and That's then right. you see it from a distance. And he's like, "Oh no, yeah, he's big. Right. I gotta go now." <laughs> and then you see him getting whacked across the sky. It was so well done. Yeah, it, it was, was better than Civil War. You're right. That as an opening was really good. It's it's probably enough to carry you through this kind of weird uh, origin story for the Vulture. So you're right. It, 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 yeah. When I say that, I mean yeah. It's after that great opening. So one thing I was thinking was um, that uh, Tom Holland is a really nice balance between the taciturn qualities of Tobey Maguire in the first three Spider-Man films, where he doesn't really say a whole lot, and the yappiness of Andrew Garfield. He's just yapping, yapping, yapping the whole, uh, the whole two movies that he did. And Tom Holland's a nice balance between that. Uh, the only thing is... When uh, Peter Parker puts on the Spider-Man outfit and he's battling the criminals, there's maybe a little bit too much of that Garfieldy kind of making the he's making quips to the bad guys. It's yeah, like but that's what he does. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's the Spider-Man yeah, thing. Yeah, that's why Spider-Man, I guess, is so linked so closely to Deadpool because Deadpool is the Merc with the mouth, right? He's just nonstop banter and chatter, and Spider-Man's similar to that. So I think that's kind of makes the connection between the two well, of them. Well, maybe, but Deadpool didn't come out for like 20 years or more, 25 years after Spider-Man had been right. making those quips. Well, even when you're watching the uh, 60s uh, Spider-Man films, he's doing that, right? Yeah. Okay, Sandman, time to plow you under. And he gets in the bulldozer yeah. and he... It's his thing. <laughs> he has this nervous banter. Like, yeah. I was saying how in the uh, the New Avengers during the Civil War, he was yeah. so sort of... He was the comic relief. It was the first time that I really said, you know, I really love this character. Right. I never read his comic. And so... But I was an Avengers reader, and it was like, well, if he's going to be brought into the Avengers, he's pretty cool. Because while everybody, all the A- A-list team members are right. busy making important decisions, all the B-listers right. are sitting around killing time. Right. And him and this nervous, and he doesn't want to take his mask off. That's the other thing. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is, right. even in Avengers Mansion. Oh, okay. Yeah. He doesn't even trust the people he's working no, with. Nobody. Wow, that's amazing. So he's there. Everybody else has like, got their masks off. And he's still got the spider chilling. head. Yeah. He's still crouching around, and Spider-Man poses upside down and everything with the mask on. <laughs> and he was great. You know, he really carried that whole Civil War era. Right. Like, made it ten times better than it already was. Well, it's funny. That's exactly the same thing the MCU did, was they brought in Spider-Man as a breath of fresh air, and they were so desperate to do it, they did a deal with the devil with Sony, right, to bring him in, because they're the guys owning the rights to that. Yeah. They, awesome. He did. He saved him in the comics, and he's... 
I wouldn't say he saved him in the MCU, but he's definitely injected. Like he's then this movie is a huge hit. It's bigger opening than Wonder Woman had. So yeah, that's good. Well, it was a much better movie than Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, as well. Absolutely. Again, it's similar to. Uh, I was struggling when we were talking about Wonder Woman because I was comparing it to the Pitch Perfect. Uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but it's kind of apples and oranges because they're two di- very different films doing two di- very different things. But Spider-Man is a straight, lone superhero guy. And when you compare that to Wonder Woman, Spider-Man blows him away. It's pitch perfect. Yeah. It's not all over the place like Wonder Woman was. Well, it's like the, you know, going off in these giant giant directions of, you know, world encompassing planets colliding yeah. and wormholes opening yeah. and, you know, bringing it down to this, this is the only way that these movies are going to have any way of surviving. Right. You know, because if they make it too big, it's just overwhelming all the time. And then you have to, every, everything is always in the context of the series. Yeah. It's like, where are these guys? Where are that guys? If shit is so fucking serious. Where is Thor? Where is Hulk? Bring yeah. Hulk in. Where's the fucking Hulk? That's right. So, you know, by keeping it like this, this is what I loved so much about Ant-Man. Yeah. Is that Ant-Man, he's a superhero. Little heist film. It's a little story. Yeah. Takes place in one spot, really. Yeah. And that's enough to carry a movie right Yeah, through. and you're dealing with the characters. You're dealing with... Um, what's Hank, an, Hank Pym. Well, you're dealing with Hank Pym, his daughter, and yep. then the guy... Ant Man, yes, Scott Lang. Scott Lang, you've got a, tr- a, a a triangle, right? Yeah, and that's really the focus of it. That's right. Shit, he's doing interacting with other people as he does his thing, but really the film is focused on those three people. That's right. And this film, uh, Homecoming, it's he's literally your friendly neighborhood Spider Man, and they're telling Tony Stark keeps telling him, you know, keep shit low key. Spider Man wants to break out into the wider world of the Avengers, but he's kept as a neighborhood Spider-Man and the only reason he's dealing with the vultures, the vultures ripping shit off or in his neighborhood. Right. So, yeah. And then you can bring them in like in civil war, they brought Ant and into it and it was great. Yeah. He was, he was so well used, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and yeah. it doesn't have to be galaxy spanning. Yeah. Like I, I worry a little bit about the infinity war and what we're, what we're, yeah. we're going to encounter. Well, it might, maybe it might be time, right? Like we've done a bunch of smaller films. So maybe it might be a good idea to up the stakes. Like I don't, I think now they're modulating it, right? They've had a few where it's more of a smaller film. So maybe it'll be good to do another epic, right? You've got to go for the epic. That's what they're going to do. Big epic world saving thing so maybe in my at least in my mind I, I'm, I said you know all I needed was the first two movies to set it up and then they can go in different directions with their movies but maybe maybe you know they can make it an epic I guess with the event the Avengers are always going to be like that they're going to be big stakes because you need a reason for the whole team to be fighting so yeah well it's the Avengers motto right they're the slogan they're the you know, uh, a day came where, you know, uh, something happened that no one hero could face. Right. You know, so they had to come together. Right. Yeah, there's got to be a reason to assemble them. So one thing, one of my favorite parts, <laughs> speaking of the Avengers, one of my favorite parts of Spider-Man Homecoming is probably the stuff with Cap. <laughs> where they're doing the, he's doing the health films. <laughs> and my favorite line is... uh 
he's showing the coach is showing one film of Captain America talking to the kids, you know, teaching them about life, and then uh, he lets another one run, and it's like Captain America says, "So your body's changing." Believe me, I know what that feels like. And it was like made me fucking laugh. Made like me laugh the, so much. In that first one they showed too, he says, "And your teacher here." And, and he, he's he points to the wrong side. <laughs> the teacher should have been standing on the other side of the TV. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. And then of course there's the um, the uh, end credit sequence with him. Okay, so you know if the uh, opening scene with. Uh, with uh, Michael Keaton leaves you feeling foul as he's cleaning up Funny. the aftermath. Of I see the, what you did there. The first Avengers episode. The Falcon. Or a Vulcan. Vulcan? Vul- Vul- Falcon? Falcon? No. Uh, uh, Vulture. Vulture. <laughs> you said he was foul. I felt foul about it. So <laughs> that was a good one. So, you know, it was, it was you know, maybe not the best origin yeah. You just got to kind of say, okay, I'm go with it. Just go I'm with it. I'm nitpicking. But sure. It's got know, a family. We we bitched a lot about the Wonder Woman end credit lack of, lack thereof, a finale. Yeah, there wasn't any. Teaser or whatever. Yeah. Uh, at Spider-Man, I waited. And so you get the first one, the first thing that happens. After those initial end credits. That's right. I guess they did that first in Avengers 2, maybe. Yeah, they're all doing it now. When, when they did the, the Thanos, they don't movie. run the credits at the beginning; they save them for the end. Uh, but I sat it out. You know, I waited to the end, and I feel fucking ripped off. I think it's funny in this in in because Cap has this little. It's another one of these public service ones or these yeah. school educational videos, yeah. and he's like, "It's about patience." <laughs> oh yeah, so I had to sit through like seven minutes of like a joke about mm-hmm. how you had to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. It's like, yeah, I get it. Spider-Man will return. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Cap. That pissed um, you off. That's it was funny. just kind of like, ugh, what a waste of time. You're done. You're finished. Well, that's got to be pop. the... You got to pee. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the joke. That makes it all the funnier that oh. you're torturing yourself. Um, I thought it was funny. But, you know, it's... It, so, beginning and end, eh. But the rest of it was just brilliant. I thought, what a good movie. Yeah, yeah. One thing that bothered me, uh, another thing to complain about is uh, uh, the fight scenes were a little frenetic. You know, like, especially where he's fighting uh, Vulture on the plane and the Vulture's going at him with the wings and they crash and it's just very frenetic. I had a hard time following it. You're not really placed... Like I was talking, when I talked about Civil War, I complained about it, but I said the best thing about those move, cat movies is the fight scenes are all very well choreographed and they're not frenetic. You, it's the, the action scenes themselves tell a story that you can follow from beginning to end. You know what the goal is they're trying to be? They're trying to catch a person. They can see what the person's doing, what the location is, what they have to use to try to catch him, and it's all followed. But... Spider-Man, and again, like you complained at the end of Wonder Woman, it took place at night, and they do that again in this yeah, film, with right? fire too, and there's glowing fire and all that Little shit, things right? Of fire and stuff, yeah, shit. yeah. So I, I just found that it was I was enjoying the film, and then I get to those parts, I'm starting to feel a little queasy again. And but at least they, I don't think they beat the dead horse, though. I think that mm-hmm. they they wrapped it up rel- relatively quickly. It wasn't like mm-hmm. Batman or Superman, Man of Steel, where you have 45 minutes of bullshit smashing, and that's right. Batman versus Superman, 45 minutes of bullshit and smashing. Ag- and again, uh, fitting the theme of the film, 
Spider-Man is trying to avoid destruction. Yeah. Not like Tony Stark will just let buildings fucking collapse. And ultimately trying to save the vulture, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's... Because he knows, he knows his identity and he knows he really likes Liz. So he, you know... Yeah. He's trying to balance, again, he's trying to make this balance that's... Spider-Man, right? yeah, he, he, Literally, he, Spider-Man is balancing on the edge of a building, and in his personal life, he's trying to balance all this different stuff. It's like when his suit becomes uh, no longer inhibited, and, and he has all access to all this <laughs> yeah, tech. they turn off the uh, training wheels protocol. <laughs> and there's all these... these, these <laughs> and the babysitting protocol. Baby monitor? Yeah, can, baby, baby monitor. monitor. Can, you, can Tony Stark be more of a fucking condescending <laughs> douche? What a dick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so it's sort of like you know those are funny scenes too, where he's dealing with Karen. He names her Karen. That's right, and all the all the things though. It's like all these murdering death features. Would you like? Would you like insta kill? (laughs) No, I don't want fucking insta kill. Two little red dots in his eyes. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) That was great stuff, stuff. and that was such a great scene. He gets uh, he's trying to get the vulture. He gets trapped in the truck. He ends up in. damage control the warehouse or whatever it is it's all locked up you can't get out <laughs> so it's a really great narrative device because he's opened the suit up so he can do all this stuff but he doesn't know what the fuck it is so he had to have a montage where he's like well i might as well try this shit out and he's doing it all ricochet he's gonna spend all night there taser web and he's trying it all out <laughs> and it's like that's great now he you can accept that he can control the suit better when he gets out Right, that's kind of neat. Yeah, he's like, how many more hours? How, how, how long have we been here now? Thinking been here 45 minutes. 37 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like a teenager, no patience whatsoever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh. oh, I was going to say this. You were saying about it was a little too frenetic. It was a little too everywhere, hard to follow. Yep. But this is the, the funny thing is that when you have like a cap fighting with his shield, right? Yep. They're all angles in straight lines. Like the the actual physical right. tools, right? Right. Uh, when he's fighting Winter Soldier, it's their punches and hitting the, the side of a van. And, you know, they're moving like people move. Yep. But the battles between a web slinging Spider Man and a guy flying are so off and so unusual. Yeah. Oops. So unusual. That you have, you know, the weird dynamic of a guy who shoots a a flexible web, which yeah. is springy, yep. taking the momentum of a, a human being and right. flinging him in odd directions, right? Battling a guy with wings who is moving with that kind of movement. Yeah, I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, well, I was going to say another thing I find uh, didn't find up to par about this film is, so they've gone full CGI with Spider Man. Maybe with the uh, vulture too, right? The first three, Maybe. <laughs> the first three are they use acrobats, yeah, for the most part. It's guys really swinging on webs, right, and pulling themselves. And it looks they can't do as much, you know, they can't do as many long shots that look really good, mm-hmm. but it feels real, right? But in this one, it's just CGI. When it's same complaint I had about Wonder Woman when he jumps, when he moves, it's just a. a guy with a, a mouse and he's just dragging the person over there and the computer's tracking and doing the in-between animations and it just looks not real. It's removed. I didn't find that in this movie. Oh, yeah? I, I, I really didn't. I, in all the other Spider-Man movies, there's those moments that looks like a video game. Right. And I didn't see one moment in okay. this. And I, I know that... It, yeah. uh, I felt that a lot in it. But. That The actor, he also is something of an acrobat. Tom Holland is an acrobat. Yeah, yeah. so a lot of these flips and shit he can do. 
Yeah. You know, I, I hear he web trained for... Uh, so he's able to swing... He actually emits he webs from his body. <laughs> that's that's. They actually forced a spider to a radioactive spider to bite method, him. That's the method actor. That's amazing. <laughs> that's that's right. so amazing. Another thing that that puzzled me was, so he goes to, he goes to Washington, because uh, he I think the vulture is going to be operating there. He knows that he's going to try to do something there, so he goes with the the trip to Washington. His friends get stuck at the top of. Uh, the Washington Monument in an elevator. So he climbs up and he's up there and he looks down and he goes, oh, oh, I'm scared. I've never been up this high. Mm-hmm. The Empire State Building is twice as high as but the Washington Monument. But he's never Monument. gone there necessarily. As Spider-Man, he's in Queens. Um, so he's not going down. He hasn't gone into Manhattan. He's really that limited? I, well, it's new, I guess. Maybe. He's new with this. Well, he's been at it for a while. Yeah, but <laughs> why would you go down there? You're dealing with your neighborhood. I guess. And you would Queens think is maybe, on the other side, right? You think maybe swing around. Yeah, but maybe not. <laughs> and maybe. that'll maybe something they'll touch in the next film, right? Where he'll yeah. we'll see him on the Empire State Building or someplace so like, like that. I don't just don't really see a it's a good idea for Spider Man. Like he never would have done anything he, he's doing if he was fucking afraid of heights. <laughs> it just seemed yeah. a little weird. It's like yeah. you might have hang up your web. They had to buy a they needed a couple minutes to create tension. Yeah. You know, while a cable snapped or <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe like I, right. the one thing I will say is that the the constant disappearances with no explanation, <laughs> with no explanation. As a parent, as a parent, my kid says, I, I you know, I say, where have you been? You know, and they go, well, and yeah, I, you were on I the, lost I- the I lost the internship, and they come up with some terrible. <laughs> oh, okay, let let me console you now. I'd be like, whoa. whoa, whoa. No distracting me. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's all fine and dandy. You're upset about that. But first, where the fuck did you go in Washington? <laughs> yeah. Why weren't you at the at the thing? Where were you over here? Why do you keep yeah. losing your backpacks? Yeah, you Aunt, Aunt May doesn't seem like a great uh, guardian. No. She's just, <laughs> she was drinking beer there She's at the hot. Chinese restaurant. She's, She's like, hot. She's hot, but not a great guardian. And why wouldn't he? I'm sure that Peter Parker's mom was like, I don't really know that it's good to leave Peter with Aunt May, but I got no other option. <laughs> she's yeah. kind of, she's always been kind of, Has you know, Aunt May wild side. Left the commune? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> I don't know if I should leave Peter. Yeah, she's kind of, if Peter, she's kind of flaky. Yeah. Peter can climb walls. Why wouldn't he put his backpack up maybe, I don't know, a little yeah. higher than the yeah. side of a garbage can? <laughs> Six times? He does put it up on a tree. When? When? When he's going to the party, yeah, a tree that's as tall as me. Yeah. Uh, the, it's yeah. it, the backpack I can reach. You can poke it. it with a stick. Yeah, it's right there, <laughs> and, and it dissolves in two hours. Yeah, so it really shouldn't be hanging off of. No, shit. you should be tucking in somewhere where nobody's gonna, up high, where nobody's put gonna it in between it. the tree in the fork of the tree. Yeah, I need <laughs> and man, I need another backpack. That was funny. Fuck, that's, that's six of them. <laughs> and it's like. Come on now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's pushed. It's good at the end that they did the reveal, the what the fuck reveal, because it's we're not going to really last another film. Like, oh yeah, I was in Washington, and uh, the people that I know lost track of me, and Spider Man did show up. <laughs> yeah, like if you have like some ninety eight year old Aunt May, yep. then it's like with her glasses on her head, going, "Have you seen my glasses?" <laughs> and maybe you, <laughs> you can know, believe it. Then you can get away with it for a while. <laughs> You know, but you can't have like Marissa Tomei 
is I don't know how she's how old she is. She's got to be fifties, yeah. Yep. Still looks. 50s. Isn't it funny that the hot aunt is now a fifty is a fifty something year old woman? Yeah, we're getting old, Chad. <laughs> no, but old. she's hot. The hot. She's that hot aunt in the movie. Yeah, it's not just my perception. Yeah, right. In fact, it's almost sold. Well, you kind of like tongue in cheek, really. Well, you, you explained it like it makes more sense. We're having Peter Parker as a fifteen year old. You gotta can't have sisters that. Yeah, you take two years off his age, and she's a female actress, so you take thirty years off of hers. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, you got to do that because he's so young, so you can't have a old bitty Aunt May who'd be the mother of her sister. Yeah, not as an only child. Yeah. One really good thing about the film is. Peter's Asian friend, <laughs> yes, his over non-specific Asian Samoan friend. I think Samoan, or Samoan, something. maybe Hawaiian or something. Maybe he's like the Rock, Polynesian. That's he's right, the Rock. He's kind of like the fat rock. rock. He's the Rock before he decided to work out and become a wrestler. <laughs> but he's so good as his buddy. He um he asks all the questions we want him. Yeah, to, we yeah, want exactly. him to ask. That's such a great when he finds out. That's like you said. It's a great reveal where. Tom Holland comes crawling in on the ceiling and his buddy's there. <laughs> he takes his shirt off. He's worried about closing the door so his aunt doesn't hear him. <laughs> his he, buddy, whew, takes his, his buddy's, mask off. His buddy's sitting right there. <laughs> With a half-built Death Star. And he's like, <laughs> drops it on the floor. And he's like, you're Spider-Man. Yeah. No, 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 I'm I'm not. You were <laughs> he's still climbing tri- on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's a great, again, it's a John Hughes scenario right trying to your friend finds out you're a superhero right how do you and like you said he's uh, so many times he's denying he's trying to hide the fact that he's spider-man and then in that scene they kind of uh uh undercut that he's he's still trying to explain (laughs) the fuck how are you gonna fucking explain this (laughs) no 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 it's no it's not it's not what you think (laughs) but you were climbing on the ceiling That is a great scene. It's also funny. He does a lot of funny stuff. Like um, he's always asking, him, "Can I wear the suit? Can I wear the suit?" And one scene, he's actually got the he's got the mask on. It looks like a watermelon. <laughs> looks like a spider melon. <laughs> he's got the huge. I always thinking in my head of like I'd be telling the guy, "Don't wear my fucking mask. You're gonna stretch <laughs> so, it out." But that mask is just <laughs> I guess know, like whatever yeah, to with, whoever's with, head with uh, uh, Tony Stark's uh, additions to it. You know, it's funny. And it was always, it's a good callback. He's, he asked Peter, you know, can I be your guy in the chair? Can I be the guy sitting surrounded by computers, you know, feeding you information, telling you where to go? And Parker's like, I don't need a guy in the chair. And then at the end of the <laughs> film, they use, they do him that. That's he, right. They use him as that. Be my guy in the chair. Yeah. I'm the guy in the chair. He's like, I'm sorry. I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can keep a secret. I really don't. I really don't think I can do this, <laughs> you know? And he keeps trying to blow it. You know, yeah. Like he tries to blow with the girl, and yeah. you know, I like the fact that that party you you wanted Spider Man to make the appearance, yeah, to make make Parker vindicated. Yeah. Hey, Peter, good to see you again. Yeah. Hey, I it's thought good. I'd swing by and see my <laughs> buddy Peter. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, and then he doesn't want to do it, and then he decides, okay, I will do it, and then he gets taken away. Yeah. You know, making it look worse because now he's ditched his friend. Yeah. He's flipped off on the party. We later know that the girl he actually likes him back, yeah. and so he blew her off. Off and she was actually hoping to hook up, and you know these are all the the, the 
the shit that he has to encounter. Yeah, get a balance. I don't understand how the thing was a bomb though. What thing was a bomb? The little, the little, the little glowing. Oh right, yeah. What was it going to be exposed to? Like he had yeah. it inside his knapsack at the watch. So the Martin. aliens, they go, here's here's your here's your power source for your gun. Here, but be careful. But don't shoot more than three and a half hours. Hey, throw yeah, it away after uh, that. Stay out of the sun. It's going to blow the shit out of your head. <laughs> don't go into the sun with it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of goofy. That was kind of goofy. And is that like I guess that glowing substance? Yeah. Is that the same stuff as the tesseract? Uh, made out of the same shit. Like, eh? are we there? Like, well, well, it's, you know, this there's is a thing. lot of it. It's just kind of a multi-purpose power source, I think. It's, well, but that that's what the Tesseract everywhere. was, right? It was in Loki's uh, spear thing. Well, isn't that what uh, Red Skull was yeah. putting into his machine? So in the comic, there was like a lot of confusion with this between the Cosmic Cube and the Tesseract and, and the Infinity Stones, which we're about to learn about. Yep. And so it's sort of like they've introduced in the, the latest Guardians film, Warlock, which he should have one of these stones in his forehead, as yeah, the vision, vision should also yeah. have. Yeah. And it's sort of like it's getting a little weak, a little watered down in its its meaning. Yeah, well, that's it's got to be something that's going to obviously play. It's going to be the MacGuffin in Infinity War. Yeah, well, he needs five of them, right? Right. So all of a sudden, that's going to take precedence, and they've kind of been wishy-washy about what it all means. They better figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, another funny moment for me was uh, they're watching a news broadcast uh, of Sp- Spider-Man, and he, there's a shot of him. He's coming out of the porta potty, and he's got toilet paper on his foot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's... Oh, why do they always use that picture? It's always that picture. It's like the one where it's like you see somebody adjusting their underwear or something, you know? Yeah, correct. Well, it's always the the um like TMZ nowadays. I was gonna say uh, National Enquirer, but the National Enquirer nowadays is TMZ, and uh, they always use a terrible, horrible picture, right? <laughs> the worst picture they can find of if it's a negative story, they'll find a terrible picture. <laughs> He got a face. He had a weird face. It was also funny too. Uh, Peter's webbing his way through the neighborhood. It's funny again. We're talking about maybe you're right. He just sticks to Queens because he's webbing his way through and he ends up in a park mm-hmm. and he's got nowhere to web. So he's got to run. The long shot of him running across the field. He goes, "This sucks." <laughs> well, you know. So I, I I recently did a show with Sean Cullen who did a great rendition of Wonder Woman's theme and then yep. the Spider Man theme. Yep. And in it, he he goes off on this tangent explaining about how Spider-Man couldn't work in medieval times because there weren't any tall buildings. He'd have to like swing around the local church in the center of town, (laughs) just swing around in circles and, you know, on and on. And and how it only works in modern times. And when I saw that, it was like, that's exactly it. You know, what are you going to swing on? Yeah. Well, it's, it's also a funny joke. Referring to the um for the cartoon from the sixties because he'd be webbing and the buildings the tops of buildings would be fucking by his feet and he's what the fuck is he shooting at <laughs> yeah, passing right. airplanes or something yeah. clouds you see the bridge, Sat- satellites him. <laughs> he's, he's he's webbing satellites because everything he could web is underneath them so it's so, strong New York City seagulls <laughs> I think they're referencing those I didn't notice a lot of Easter eggs in this movie yeah well there was shit like at the end. He's talking to the scorpion. I guess they're just setting Who's up. Who's the scorpion? He's one of the villains, right? He, oh, is he? Uh, Tombs ends up in prison, and he is approached by a guy. Oh, that guy. That's a scorpion. Is right? it? You can tell from the tattoos, apparently. Oh, okay. 
So I guess Scorpion will be the next guy. I always like that that Scorpion. Yeah, Scorpion was good, and uh, I think the one they got to bring in is Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, Mysterio is a great right. one. Right, he's a good he's a good villain. And maybe revisit uh, uh, Rhino. I always liked Rhino. Yeah, they kind of do a shit job in uh, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man with an amazing actor. Yeah, Paul Giamatti as the uh, Giamatti, Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. The Rhino. Miss Brand. Miss Brand. Two interesting things is um, no J. Jonah Jameson. I guess it's previous to yeah, when he previous he's still that. in high school. So you I don't meet J. Why. Jonah Jameson until he tries to get, become a photographer. But what's interesting is uh, again a kind of a John Hughes moment in the movie, and it's a recurring thing. Is they have the the in school uh, news on the monitors. They have like kids mm-hmm. doing the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. It's a really awkward. <laughs> they're two really awkward hosts, but one of the hosts is Betty Brandt. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? So she's tied in with the that character, the the female lo- love interest in this one, the Liz character. Okay, and they they have a ongoing lesbo relationship. No, oh no, <laughs> oh that's too bad. Um, yeah, no, they they they're like the same sort of level of character, right? In Be- Betty Brant, of course, being future secretary to J. Jonah Jameson. Is that where she eventually becomes? Yeah. Yeah, she becomes yeah. a secretary. She's taking care of shit at the Daily Bugle. And also, there's no spider sense. You don't seem to have spider sense in these. Well, how could you with all that fucking, all those gadgets? Yeah, you don't really need it. I guess like, Tony Stark. He is the spider sense. Stark right? sense. The suit is the spider <laughs> sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like that. I don't know. I always found the spider sense to be, it's another thing like Superman where he's got, powers that just come out of fucking nowhere well Spider you never Spence see him again is too supernatural yeah yeah well it's a neat thing it's 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 a thing accentuating what's happened to peter he's bitten by a spider and crazy shit happens and one of them is spider sense i guess yeah but do spiders have that sense i don't know who's psychic i have to, I'll have to try to smoosh one and see if he <laughs> did you, you, know? you didn't see that coming <laughs> I guess they don't. I guess they don't when you look at it like that. No, it's it's sort of well. Spider, spider sense, sense is much more well, supernatural. Well, like. it's interesting. Spider sense is not necessarily supernatural because I think what they're really getting at is a spider is on a web, and if there's vibrations sure, on the web, then maybe. the spider knows that there's food there. It's a fly that's caught or whatever, right? So that's maybe right. that's what they're getting at is he's noticing vibrations in the air or whatever, right? Like that's what they're playing with. It is a stretch. <laughs> Stan it's, Lee, what were you thinking? It's like God damn it's it. like General Zod's tractor beam finger. Okay, exactly. Do you have anything else to talk about about Spider Man? Spider Man. Spider Man does a few things a spider can. No, lays about two hundred eggs. So anyway, so on a grand scale, I just say that uh, Spider Man was pretty great. Yeah, it was. Uh, I you know, it was fantastic. It's a nice really movie. It. Just a movie. It's a movie. A, lo- a small scale. They're trying something different. They're making the John Hughes teen comedy kind of with the superhero bent. And it's good. My kids both loved it. Aiden really liked it. And I think that that uh, making him young and yeah, he was good. I was nervous about that, but they really ran with that. They made it perfect. <laughs> and for those who like Orange is the New Black, uh, the school teacher is from that show. Right. And it's always weird to see these women who are made up to always look so horrible in prison. 
she doesn't look that horrible in the, in the show. But anyway, she's all cleaned up and she's the teacher. And then the guy who works for the vulture, who yeah. wants to do that special, you know, oh yeah, that special thing, the seal, like, yeah. And he keeps getting told no. And then at the end, he says, "Told you that guy plays the main character in Orange is the New Black's brother, who sells her panties <laughs> in their panty empire, their 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 soiled panty <laughs> empire." Jesus Christ. But anyway, I don't understand that part. Now that you mention it, like, uh, so the guy's always, it's a run, almost like a running gag at the beginning. Like I got that high altitude seal, uh, almost worked out and they go, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want that. Keaton <laughs> keeps telling him like, why? It's just a thing that means you can connect to a fast moving plane and not be blown off. Bill, don't investigate. Cause if you investigate, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Just turn off the brain, turn off the old brain. And at the end, it's like, wow, he got his break. He finally got to make that thing. Yeah. But it was yeah. A, funny as a running gag, but then when it goes to pay off, it's like, oh, that was it. It made me kind of think of uh, of uh, Executive Decision. You ever see that film? Yeah, I think I have. Where they've got to send up a plane to hook up into another plane and get in and like do something in the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, the the thing that reminds me of is so they've got to get onto this moving plane. So they uh, they they fly a plane underneath the big plane and they put up a, a suction thing that hooks up onto the plane. And then they send uh, they go up there and they cut a hole while everything's moving and they keep it equalized. The whole thing is that tube that's going to keep the pressure equalized and they all get in and then something goes wrong and. And uh, Steven Seagal gets blown to his death. It's like shocking. <gasps> Steven Seagal died within the first third of this film. Shocking. Yay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody's cheering. Exactly. That's right. So shall we wrap it up? Wrap it. All right. So th- I'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 21 of Nerd Stocking. Uh, if you feel that we've missed something, some favorite moment of uh, Spider-Man, or if you've have issues with our uh, review or maybe you just want to pat us on the back and tell us what great taste and how observant we are you can send uh, email to nerds at nerdstocking.com we have uh, Facebook and Twitter that you can search for nerdstocking one word and you'll find us there there's Instagram we have Instagram and we have uh, our home on Podomatic which is where which is our host for the um podcast and you can also find us on iTunes and if you could rate and comment on all those different venues that would be great really helps us out and thanks for listening I'm Spider-Man I'm Spider-Man actually one thing I wanted to uh, comment on was they actually make fun of Batman when as part of the suit he's going to interrogate the guy who was trying to buy the weapons Donald Glover yeah, Donald Glover and they turn on the she says, would you like to activate the interrogation mode? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Goes, Where'd you get those guns? <laughs> sounds like <laughs> yeah. sounds like Batman. They're making a comment on it. Donald Glover, was, it's funny because it's like they wanted to just throw him in there to make people... Like, well, I loved Community, right? He's, uh, he's the new Lando Calrissian. He, well, yeah, he's part of Spider-Man, that character. He's maybe the new Spider-Man. He's, I think his name is Miles, uh, Miles Morales. He's Spider-Man now. Oh, is he? Spider-Man is uh, an African-American hmm. who's, who's webbing around. And that's his character, I think. Really? That's what he's playing. It's another Easter egg they put in there. 
Nothing is done in these movies for no reason. Chad. No, I know. And it's all set up. It's all a big fucking chess game. Well, you don't take an actor who is known and you give him <laughs> such a teeny little role. Yeah. But he's all. I thought maybe it's a, a covert Disney thing to plant to remind people about Han Solo, the actor who's going to play Han Solo. Oh, interesting. That could be it too. Right, because he was on Community yeah. and he was great. And he did say in Spider Man, he said, uh, "I wanted to buy these guns, but I had to go solo." Wink, wink, Did he? Wink. I, uh, no, he didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he should have. Yeah, Donald Glover shot first. <laughs> he should have had something where he lost something at a card game. He lost his Camaro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. To some hot shot yeah. smuggler. I gotta just go into the bathroom solo for a few <laughs> minutes. Should have said that. Uh, this chocolate, this, this candy bar is really chewy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious anyway good night I'm Spider-Man no I'm Spider-Man <laughs> what do you do with those guns teenagers here one minute gone the next